exist to see God glorified and disciples multiplied through the power of the gospel. Well, this morning we're going to go to Psalm 46, and it's, I'm sure it's a psalm familiar to a lot of you, but I think it is, um, it is a, a, message, a, a message from the Lord, a passage that we need to uh, be able to look at again and uh, consider how much uh, we need this great assurance from the Lord. So let's go to, let's take our Bibles, turn to Psalm 46. And I describe it this way, that surrounded by chaos, we are safe in Jesus. Surrounded by chaos, we are safe in Jesus. This is a psalm of celebration of help from the Lord. And it's interesting, many psalms um, begin with a crisis or a tension, and then the psalm writer looks to the Lord. This psalm begins with the highest assurances of God's help for his people. And if you're uh, getting familiar with the Bible, you may not know exactly what a psalm is. It was a combination prayer, poem, and song. And it's what they would use for worshiping. Sometimes they'd recite them. Sometimes they would sing them. We don't know when the circumstance was of this being written. Some think it may have been written... After the Lord, under while well, Hezekiah was king, when the Lord killed 185,000 Assyrian warriors overnight when they were surrounding the city of Jerusalem. We don't know for sure, but that might be the setting of that great victory. It may have been some other victory. But without a doubt that this is some setting the Holy Spirit is using to prompt the psalm writer to write this song and prayer of praise to the Lord declaring the Lord's faithful care in the worst of times. Now, we want to remember that all the word of God from the beginning to the end is about the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. All the way back in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and God calls forward Adam and Eve and Satan to pronounce his judgment and then he, he says to the woman, he says, from your seed, which is interesting because they would always talk about the seed of the man. From your seed, always already hinting of a virgin birth, will come one who will crush Satan's head. He'll crush the serpent's head, but his heel will be bruised. And promising that one would come to defeat the adversary. That began the human race. We have to keep this in mind as pondering this. It's so easy for us to think, oh yeah, that's like, that's like what we do for our Bible version of world history. But then there's the real world history over here. No, this is the real world history. Amen. This is the story of the human race. All the other world histories are written in some fashion from man's viewpoint of how man wants to interpret history, we open the word of God and God says, this is the truth of the matter. And as early as their two sons, Cain and Abel, with Abel being a godly man, worshiping the Lord with true faith, and Cain hating him for it and hating his sacrifice and murders his brother over it, from the very beginning we see that God's telling the truth about how sin and evil 
have affected the human race. And so it is the coming of the Savior, and therefore we can say that this psalm, because it's going to talk about the presence of the Lord in different ways, this is the hope of Emmanuel, God with us, that is carrying this psalm along. So when I say we are safe in Jesus, and I'm going to be describing this psalm in a way of the Lord Jesus caring for us, we're being faithful to how the Word of God describes the promise of His coming and how Jesus is at work even there and especially there throughout the Old Testament. The psalm's interesting because I'm going to read it in a moment. It almost seems disjointed and awkward. And I kind of think, even though you know, it's written by the Holy Spirit through a human author, uh, written uh, through uh, 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 the, from the sons of Korah, that the awkwardness and the disjointed feeling gives us a way to relate to the psalm because when we go through crisis, aren't things awkward and disjointed? In fact, probably the definition of a crisis is when we've got our plan laid out and it, everything comes apart. So the disjointed, awkward feeling, we can relate to that. But we're going to see the Lord's presence with us even in those circumstances. One day the Lord will return and there will be the final solution and, and the final removal of sin and evil and Jesus Christ will reign supreme. There's also a word repeated here three times that actually breaks the psalm up for us. Selah. Uh, or Selah, and it seems to carry the idea of a pause to meditate, to ponder. There's only four psalms in the Old Testament that end with the word Selah, and this is one of them. So he's almost saying, he breaks it up, but by the very end he says, I want you to think about this. We have to take this with us. Take it with us regularly. And it has ways in which it expresses the Lord's intervention, his majesty, who he is, that it's very humbling and also very assuring. And so as we look at the passage today, here's I'm going to use those three breaks of Selah, one through three, Selah of four through seven, Selah of eight through 11. I'm going to describe it this way. Jesus Christ, in the, in the midst of the surrounding chaos, Jesus Christ protects our souls. Jesus Christ refreshes our souls. And Jesus Christ quiets our souls. Protects, refreshes, quiets. Let me read the psalm here, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be 
moved or shaken. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Jesus protects our souls. The word refuge here in verse 1, it means a place of shelter, a place where we can escape and be safe. People, we talk about refugees. We see refugees from Ukraine. They're headed for a safe place. And this wonderful phrase in the New King James and King James, at least I'm familiar with those two translations, a very present help, it can also carry the idea, it's an unusual Hebrew combination of words, a helper who is always abundantly or magnificently found. It's just this interesting combination of words. This is a helper who we find to be magnificently found. When we call, there is this magnificent rescue and aid that comes to us. And the word trouble, a very present help in trouble, the word trouble they would use for a very tight and narrow place. Have you ever felt that? Of course you have. There's a, there's a few gray heads in this room. You've got some mileage. You have been in some tight and narrow places where you weren't sure what to do, what to plan, how to respond, how to get the resources, how to get through, who to talk to, who not to talk. You've been in some tight and narrow places. And he says, this is the Lord who protects our souls at times like that. He describes a cataclysmic earthquake where it is so horrific that the mountains slide down into the sea. Now, we've seen the effects of earthquakes, and we're all, just about all of us are old enough to remember Mount St. Helens, or most of us are, when that blew and just a part of it kind of slid down. And that was horrific, but he's saying, he says, imagine an earthquake where the entire mountain slides down into the ocean. This is his way of saying, imagine how bad something could be and yet know that your soul is going to be protected by the Lord Jesus from being overwhelmed. This is why people at times, they ask the believers, how do you deal with it? Well, it's not because I went to some class to learn how to be a tough survivor. No, I have 
the Holy Spirit living in me as a gift from Jesus. And he calms my soul. He protects it from getting overwhelmed by the circumstances. It is astounding. And any of you who have walked with the Lord for years, you have experienced that. You look back and you think, my soul should have been overwhelmed. It should have caved in. Humanly, I should have thrown it in. But instead, the Lord protected my soul from being a victim of it all. There are real victims and real heartbreaks and real horrific tragedies. But what is the worst part it was, is if we, if we lose our soul and our souls are safe in the hands of Jesus and he holds on to us. I think at times we hear stories like, well, someone really used to walk with the Lord and then uh, they lost their brother a tragic accident and they walked away from the Lord. Now, we hear those stories and we have to be very careful and tenderhearted, but we also have to remember that act, that tragic accident may only have revealed where that person's soul really was because Jesus does protect the souls of his people. Yes, we weep, we have anguish, we struggle, we have to work things through. There are some dark passages, but he protects our souls. Though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, he is a magnificent helper who will protect us. Selah, think about that. Then he goes on here as we look at the next set of verses, four through seven. He refreshes our souls. There's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle or the dwelling place of the Most High. He's talking about Jerusalem. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms are moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. You know, it's very interesting. There is no river in Jerusalem. There's no river in Jerusalem. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. There is no river in Jerusalem. Hmm. Now, if you are Jewish and you're singing this, and you think, I've been to Jerusalem, there's no river. You have to, if you're a genuine believer at this point, Old Testament believer, you're saying, this has got to be something bigger than just a water river. There's another river he's talking about. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. You know, it's hard for us. We're, we're what we call Western thinkers. We're, we're part Greek and part Roman. We're mostly part Greek. I mean, in other words, we, this is why Paul said we also have to reach the Greeks with the gospel because they think the gospel's foolishness. We are Greek thinkers. Our culture is Greek. Our education system is Greek. And so everything is lined up in a straight line. But Middle Eastern thinkers, they think in pictures. And how many of you remember when Saddam Hussein was talking, you know, there was the threat of war, and Saddam Hussein made the statement, this will be the mother of all wars. How many of you, raise your hand if you remember that. Remember that? And remember everybody was laughing, you know, and then we were like, we're having the, 
uh, the mother of all car sales down at uh, Bingo Chevrolet, you know. Well, this is going to be the mother of all hamburgers, and everybody's making... I assure you, everybody in the Middle East knew what Saddam Hussein was saying. They didn't think it was a joke. And you know, it's interesting. He was partially right. It has launched all kinds of conflict. They think in pictures. Middle Eastern people think in pictures. So it's a little hard for us. So I assure you, the Old Testament believers were looking at this and they're saying, there's a special river and it's not water. It's from the Spirit of God. It's from the grace of God. And look what it says here. Whose streams. The river has streams. Jesus said, he who believes in me, streams of living water will bubble up from him or her. This is a wonderful foreshadowing of what it means to be in a body of believers. You know, we don't have, you know, if you make a trip to the Holy Land and you can see the old Jerusalem, well, that's great. But Paul writes in Galatians, he says, that's the earthly Jerusalem, which is dead in its sin. He says, we're citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem. We have a heavenly citizenship. When we gather here, we gather under the umbrella of the heavenly Jerusalem. And you know what the streams are that flow out of that river? The streams are you and me refreshing and blessing one another. There are about 30 one another commands in the New Testament. This is how vital it is, our lives together as believers. We just don't come and be an audience and take in, I got my sermon in for the week. No, no, that's not what the church is. We care for each other. I listen to how you people talk about each other. You update each other. How so-and-so doing? Who's been over to see whatever? And someone helps another one. Those are the streams that refresh the people of God flowing out of the river of God's grace. Jesus refreshing our souls, and he's doing it through one another. The nations can be raging. The kingdoms can be moving all over the place. He can utter his voice and melt the earth. And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that, believers can refresh one another. So this is Jesus refreshing our souls. We bubble up with the grace of Jesus. We pour the living water of his grace and love into each other during the worst of times. We can go to bed in sorrow and distress, but awake in the morning and find that his mercies are brand new for another day. He helps at the break of dawn. It's a new day, Lord. Your mercies are brand new. You will take me through today and we will help one another through the day. What a wonderful promise that in Jesus refreshing our souls and he does it through one another. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you know, on my best days, on my best days, I'm a marginal disciple, okay? My best days, I'm probably B minus. And yet, because of the grace of Jesus in my life, I can be a blessing and help to other believers, and you can be a help to me, and we can be a help to one another.
That's the refreshment of Jesus for one another. And I think Linnell goes back, and Linnell, I'd like you to take the greetings of Horicon Baptist back to the brothers and sisters there, and you know what that'll mean to them, and that we prayed for them. She knows what that'll mean to them. I met a believer, where was Idi Amin, Ethiopia? When Idi Amin was the ruler, I think it was Uganda, Uganda, right? I met a believer from Uganda. Uh, when we were in Africa visiting. And um, when I met her, she was working with Youth for Christ International. I said, um, you had to live through the days of Idi Amin. And she says, oh, yeah, they were horrible. And I just said it as a passing statement. I I just said, you know, times I I prayed for uh, the believers in Uganda. And she said, you prayed for us? And I didn't realize I just handed her something more precious than a bag of gold. I learned a lesson there. She did not take that lightly at all. She said, oh, thanks for praying for us. No, she, she realized she was meeting somebody who was supporting them in prayer when they were going through the horrors of Idi Amin's dictatorship and oppression. We refresh. Jesus refreshes our souls through one another. But then also he quiets our souls, verses 8 through 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now he's keep he's twice he said now the Lord is with us, but that's not the only way he talks about a presence. He says I'm in the midst of you. But this statement here, come behold the works of the Lord, is, a, is worded in a way to imply a very personal involvement with the Lord. I'll explain it this way. Let's suppose one of you gets a brand new uh, Toyota hybrid. It's the first time you ever got a Toyota hybrid. And uh, so um, Martin stops by, says, uh, I hear you got a new Toyota hybrid. Now, you have two ways you can respond. You say, yeah, go take a look. It's out in the garage. Or you can say, come and see it. Now, what's happening by saying, come and see it? This is something you want to show him. And you want to be personally there as he interacts with it. He doesn't say, go and look. He says, come and behold he is saying to Greg, as Greg looks at the news streams and sees what's going on and wondering how high will gas get and uh, will I be able to afford Nutella for my croissants? <laughs> the, the crucial issues of life. Thank you, all you Nutella lovers. And... Um, <laughs> And I see all these things. And I wonder what's going to be like for my kids and my grandkids. What's going to be like in the later years? And he says, Greg, you come with me right now. You come with me. And you look at who I am. You look at your Bible and you see what my hand has done. You look at the news stream 
and you see how I can let a war unleash and how I can stop a war. Amen. You know, we a lot of us are old enough to remember when there was the tension in Northern Ireland, and it was like every week, a bombing in Northern Ireland, shootings in Northern Ireland, riots. And I was thinking, a few months ago, I was thinking, all of a sudden... It stopped. I don't remember the circumstances of it stopping. I don't know if there's some piece of grain. I don't but it stopped. Who stopped it? The Lord did. He says, I can unleash it and I can stop it. Greg, you come and you look. I make desolations in the earth. This is humbling. This is a holy God. The same holy God who sent his beloved son to step into the worst of desolation, the desolation of our sin and guilt and dying on the cross for our sins and taking the full punishment in our place. This is a holy God, though, whose wrath right now is restrained, but at times he lets the desolations unfold. He brings desolation to humble nations to cause sinners to stop and think eternally instead of just temporarily, just thinking from what they want for their lusts and desires, but thinking in terms of where is my hope and where is my life going? And he brings the desolations and he upsets the world. He says, you come, Greg, and you look at this. And then he says that well-known verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And that word, be still, if you have more modern translation, uh, I think uh, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and they're accurate on this, it says, be quiet. Now, be still is kind of poetic. <laughs> God says, Greg, be quiet. Stop. He says to the nations, you stop this rebellion. And know that I am God. And he says to his people, you stop your hand wringing. Where is the Lord? He says, I guarantee you, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I guarantee you, it will happen. And right now he is exalted as the gospel goes forward. And even in refugee camps and places where believers are hiding in caves in the in Southeast Asia, right now where there is desolation and there is fear and there is dread, the Lord's gospel is bringing sinners to himself. He is being exalted in the nations. He's being exalted in the earth. And finally, the day will come. Jesus Christ will return and claim it all for himself. And he says, the Lord of hosts. And that means the Lord of every single created thing. He's the Lord of it all. That's who's with us, my friends. That's the one who's with us. He's not running for office. He is the office. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say the God of Abraham or the God of Moses. He doesn't say the God of Isaac. Or the God of Joshua, the God of Jacob, Jacob, the scheming, manipulative deceiver, the one that had no right to have God's grace 
and was given God's grace. He is the Lord of hosts is saying to all us Jacobs, I am your God. I am a God of grace to the Jacobs. I am a God of grace to redeem sinners that I call my own. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Jesus quiets our souls. We're going to look at the desolations. We're going to see the nations in turmoil. We're going to see him crush nations. And he's going to say, I assure you, I will be exalted among the nations. The gospel will continue to go forward. I am not losing the battle. I am the author of the battle. And I am the one who is with you. And I am the one who is your refuge. So quiet your soul and stop your hand wringing. He quiets our souls. So we look at this psalm here, and they lived with real dangers and real battles and real bloodshed. And they were surrounded by dangers and chaos. And he comes to us today now through the gospel, opening up our eyes to see the full breadth and depth and height and strength of this psalm so that today you and I can say, Jesus Christ protects our souls. Jesus Christ refreshes our souls. Jesus Christ quiets our souls. It was this psalm that gave rise to Martin Luther writing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, which we'll sing about. Before I close in prayer, I trust, I hope everyone here is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If your answer to that is, oh yeah, I grew up going to church, or I got baptized when I was nine, and you know, I've always tried to do good things, and I'm trying to be a, a good citizen. That's not knowing Jesus Christ. If you have not turned from your sin and rebellion and turn to Jesus Christ as the only one who can save you, who paid the price for your sins. You do not know Christ, and you are headed to hell. You are headed to desolation. You are facing God's judgment. His wrath is already hanging over you. It's being held back. He wants you to be saved. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you talk to me today after the service and say, Greg, I don't know that I know Jesus. I know a lot of religious stuff. I don't think I know Jesus. And I will talk with you and we'll look at God's word and we will let God's word and the Holy Spirit's work lead you to Christ today. And may all of us as believers take great hope in a Savior who protects, refreshes, and quiets our souls. Let's pray. Our Savior, thank you for your word. And I pray your great blessings of grace, strength, and encouragement for your dear people today. Work in our hearts, O God. And we ask it for the glory of the Lord Jesus. And thank you, dear Savior. What a Savior you are, especially in these days. In your name we pray. Amen.
Hi, Taylor Callen, pastor of Oregon Baptist Church. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon. I pray that you are more encouraged and love Jesus and the gospel more after hearing the sermon than when you first sat down to listen to it. Know that that our heart at this church is that this sermon would be an encouragement to you and would be a useful resource, but would in no way replace the pastor that God has called to shepherd you or the church that you're called to be a member of. With that being said, if you want more information about our church or want to hear more sermons, go to horicanbaptist.com.